Well, amen, and you may be seated. Aren't you grateful that stone rolled away? Amen. What a great song. I was thinking to myself a moment ago, that, that is a great, great song. It's a song that just encourages us and, and reminds us of the truth that this old world is not it. Amen. This is just not the end. Well, let me invite you to take your Bible tonight, find probably one of the most familiar passages of scripture, if you would find the book of Psalms and Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. And I really felt a few months ago, just as we're thinking about moving toward Easter, is uh, I just felt like, you know, this would be a great passage of scripture uh, that would, I think, strengthen our faith and encourage us as we make our way and look toward Easter. So the 23rd Psalm, we're just kind of making our way through this great, great passage. As you're finding there in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, I was reading this week the, uh, a little article from the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA it's referred to, and here's what they said. This is fascinating. Two-thirds of the doctor visits, doctor's visits that are made in the U.S. today, two-thirds of them uh, are stress-related. Think about that. It's interesting. It went on to say that 43% of Americans suffer from some type of stress-related uh, ailment or issue. Think about that. And so here's what we already know. We just live in a time and we live in a nation that, in which we are just stressed. People today are stressed. Now, there may be one or two. I know Randy may be one that just has no stress at all in their life. But, but the, the rest of us, we just kind of live kind of stressed life from time to time. And it could be that maybe in your season right now that you're kind of in between. Maybe you're coming out of a stressful time, you know, or maybe you kind of sense or know that you're moving into a stressful time. But I think as we think about stress and affecting us, probably most all of us here tonight can relate. And uh, when it comes to stress, there's different ways that we respond, different ways that we, we deal with stress in our life. Uh, one of the most common things that people do is when there is stress, they eat. Some of you may be stress eaters. I have a friend of mine that, that she says that she eats her feelings. In other words, when there's, you know, emotions or something, she just eats. And it's probably one of the most natural things for us to do is when we're stressed, we just, you know, go to the refrigerator. Again, it's probably natural for us because think about the word stressed. The word stressed backwards is desserts. So maybe it's just kind of a natural thing for us to do or stress. We just, we just eat. Uh, sometimes we, we self-medicate. Uh, and it through maybe through alcohol or whatever. This this same friend of mine, and uh, that I would never ever say her name uh, for embarrassment, is that uh, she says, "Hey," she says, "Pastor," she says, "You know when I'm stressed about you know I just have one glass of wine and it just helps me with one glass." And I said, "Well, hey, you know I don't. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. I think I have no problem with that." Until she sent me a picture one day and her glass was like a fishbowl. It was like this. <laughs> She said, Pastor, it's just one glass. I was like, well. So, so I don't know how you deal with stress, but what I want to show you tonight in Scripture is what I believe perhaps could be God's remedy, God's recipe, you know, uh, for stress, and that's rest. 
and we actually see it here. We're going to study tonight just, just one verse, Psalm 23 and verse number 2. In fact, why don't you stand with me for this initial reading of God's Word. I know last week I think that uh, you read all of Psalm 23, but let's just look at the first two verses. Psalm 23, verse number 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Think about that for a moment before you're seated. Just think about that. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, we talked about this last week, shall not want. And he makes me, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters. There's a picture there of just peace and tranquility. And I think there's a peace that God wants to give, a tranquility, a rest, and we'll learn that together. Why don't you be seated just in honor of God's Word. Thank you for standing. And uh, won't you take a, a pen, if you would, maybe that free pen that David's given away here at Church of the Island. And what I want to do tonight is I just want to give you, as we kind of walk through that verse, what I believe to be just two great truths about the rest that God offers so the first is this, truth number one, the good shepherd instructs you to rest. The good shepherd, last week we talked about, about the fact that, that, the, that the Lord is our good shepherd and that he is the great shepherd. He is in fact the chief shepherd, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus. I mean, he said, he said, I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. And the great shepherd is the one who uh, rose again from the dead. And the fact that he is the chief shepherd and that he's coming again. So the Lord being your good shepherd, he instructs you to rest. Let us look again, if you would, back at verse number two. He makes me in other words, the good shepherd tonight would say to you, this is not a suggestion. This is not, hey, if you, if you try everything else, you should try this. You need to know that when it comes to rest and the kind of rest that the Lord, the good shepherd offers you, this is a command. In fact, you may want to just, in the margin of your Bible, you just may want to write this little phrase, God commands us to rest. God commands it. Where does he command it? How about this? Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Familiar with those? The, the Ten Commandments. What's very interesting about this thing of the Sabbath, we'll look at it in just a moment, is that when it comes to most of the commandments, it's just very simple. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. But when it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to rest, He's actually, uh, he places a lot of emphasis on it. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day, keep it what? Holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it what? Made it holy. So 
Again, in the Ten Commandments, you just see one verse, one, one verse, and then when it comes to the Sabbath, he, God places such emphasis on it is because, listen, it's a command. He's commanding you and I that we're to rest. We need to understand how important this is, not just because he commands it, and he certainly does, but when he created us, he did not create us or build us to run 24-7. He didn't create us just to go and go and go and go and go and not rest or not stop. Now, there are some things in our life, there are some things that, that are made or are created that, that just go on. Your refrigerator, for example. I mean, it just runs all the time. In fact, we kind of panic when it stops running, amen? So there are some things that are just built, made to run all the time. I don't ever turn my computer off. It just runs all the time. You know, now what do these things do? They kind of go into a power-saving mode, you know, but the fans are running, but they never turn off. But God built you and God built me that we're to go, but then we're to rest. God did not make us to run 24-7. I have a pastor friend of mine. There, there's several of us pastors for many years now. Uh, we'll call each other most Mondays and usually just kind of vent, you know, just kind of talk about the crazy things that happened in church and people said this and did that. And this was a few years ago and I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, he said that uh, Sunday after church, one of the ladies came to him and said, preacher, I called you Friday and you didn't answer. And uh, he said, well, you know, Fridays are my, are my day off. It's just kind of my Sabbath. I have to work on Sunday, the Lord's Day, and so it's the day that I, I take off. And she looked at him and she said, well, preacher, the devil doesn't take a day off. And my preacher friend immediately said, well, if I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like the devil. <laughs> I like that. I kind of marked that down in my notes. I'm going to remember that. I think only the, the, now the devil goes 24-7. But God did not make us to go and go and go and not stop. So he commands us to, to rest, right? He, he made us to rest. And then I just, I believe this. I believe that he will bless us if we will rest, if we will be obedient. I, I think that he, I think he blesses that. There was a lot of uh, controversy in the first century, in the early church, about the Sabbath versus the Lord's Day. In fact, in the early church, Christians wondered, okay, it, it, are we supposed to take the Sabbath, that, that, that traditional Jewish day of rest, Saturday? The, the early Christians worshiped on the Lord's Day, right? The day of resurrection, Sunday. And so there was a question, there was a controversy of, well, which day are we supposed to rest? And you could study it later, but it was addressed in Romans chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14, the, the teaching is his. It's not so much the day. It's the principle. It, it may be Saturday. It may be Sunday for you. It may be, it may be Friday. So the, the idea, the teaching is it's the principle. In fact, I believe the Bible teaches that if you will be obedient in this thing of the Sabbath or the rest, God will bless you. In fact, you may want to write this in your notes. Psalm 127. 
Psalm 127 and verse number two. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. In other words, it's just, it's just vain for you to just be stressed and go to work early, work all day long, and just be anxious about all that. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, here's what's interesting about this verse in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's literally translated, for he gives to his beloved even in sleep. He gives even in sleep. In other words, here's what it literally teaches in the Hebrew, that if you'll just be obedient, and if you'll follow the good shepherd, that he will bless you. He'll bless you even while you're sleeping. He will bless. He will give to you. Here's what I've discovered in my own life. I have just uh, stressed myself and I've just toiled and gone and gone and gone and, and not rested. And I just feel like I'm not, I'm not gaining. But then if I'll just step back and honor the Lord and say, God, you know, this is the time that I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to trust that you're going to work it out. You know what God's done for me? He's blessed me even while I'm asleep. God will bless your obedience to this command. Now, there are some of you here tonight, no doubt. Hey, Alan, you don't know my business. You don't know my work. You know, I'm on call all the time. It's all dependent on me. You know, I I just have to go. I have to do. Listen, I hear you. I hear you, but, but here's the problem. Here's what God said, and we looked at it in Exodus chapter 20. Here's what God said. God says, I created everything The sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, the mountains. I created everything in six days, and I rested on the seventh. So who are you to say that you you can't take time off? Are you God? Are you bigger than God? Are you better than God? And even more than this, think about this. If God created everything on the sixth day, and yet he rested on the seventh, did he rest because God was tuckered out? No, he rested as an example. He rested as an example to say, this is how you're supposed to do it. So I just, I'm just saying to you that there is a rest that God has for his people. There is a rest that the good shepherd has for you. He commands it. He built you for it. He will bless you if you will be obedient to it. And by the way, let me say this. If you don't, he'll force you. Psalm 23, verse number 2. Look at it again. He what? He will make you. My personal experience has been, you don't want to go there. You don't want him to make you. Because he'll lay you flat on your back. So uh, Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, God's given these instructions. And it's very interesting when you study the scriptures, don't just dismiss this thing about the sabbatical or or the Sabbath. So here's what he says in Leviticus 25. He, He says to the people of God, now look, when you work the land... Work it for six years and give the land a rest. The the land is supposed to have a Sabbath. So work it, give it a rest. You and I would think today, in in our terms, we would think about crop rotation. We we know land is supposed to have have rest so we can, you know, uh, uh, refresh itself. 
So here's what happened. The people of God didn't do it. In fact, they were just rebellious against God. In fact, they rebelled against God in a thousand different ways, not just with regard to the land. So in their rebellion, you know what God did? God brought judgment. God brought judgment. God took the people of Israel, I mean, the, the people of God, and he, and he sent them into captivity in Babylon. Do you know how many years they were in Babylon in captivity? Seventy years. Do you think that number is by, 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 by chance? No, because what they did is they rebelled against God in every area, but in the, in the area of the land, 490 years. You can study it. You can read it. It's, 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 it's a fact. 490 years, they didn't give a Sabbath to the land. So God took them and put them in captivity for 70 years. Write this in your notes, 2 Chronicles. Watch this. This is fascinating. 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, and the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the days of the desolation until 70 years were fulfilled. He commands it. He encourages it. He blesses it. And he will force it. The rest. Why? Because he is the good shepherd. You got to remember, this is, this, is, this is about him. This is about the Lord is the good shepherd. And he is for you. So when he comes to rest in your anxiety and your stress and your life, number one, truth number one, the good shepherd instructs you to rest. Truth number two, the good shepherd invites you to rest in him. The good shepherd invites you to rest in him. Let's go back to verse number two, Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Again, this, this picture of, of peace, of tranquility, lush green pastures, quiet still waters. If you allow him to lead you. Again, the, the emphasis here is not on you. The emphasis is on the shepherd. Who is our good shepherd? The Lord Jesus. We studied that last week. What I believe the reference here is to spending time with the shepherd. Allowing the shepherd to lead you. Allowing the good shepherd to minister to you. So let's just, let's just talk about that. Let's, let's talk about time with the Lord. Because what does he say? Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. This is the words of Jesus, by the way. Your shepherd, my shepherd. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Not just physical rest, but emotionally, spiritually, rest. If you'll come to him, if you'll spend time with him, time with Jesus, write this maybe perhaps in your notes. Number one, listen, time with Jesus brings life into focus. 
Time with the good shepherd brings life into focus. What I mean by that is that what I've discovered in my life is that when I spend time with the Lord and I make it a priority, he just kind of helps me understand the right priorities. Does that make sense? It just helps me understand the right focus, the right emphasis. And so I I begin the day with the Lord so that he can help me just kind of put things in right perspective. That's what I think time with the Lord does. Here's an example. Luke chapter 10. Remember, remember when Jesus went to, went to the home with Mary and Martha? And, uh, and Martha's in the kitchen, right? She's getting everything ready. She's cooking. She's baking. She's getting everything ready. And where's her sister? Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's like, she's all stressed. She's all anxious. She sticks her head up. Jesus, would you tell my sister to get in here and help me? And what does Jesus say? But the Lord answered, Martha... Martha. I think anytime the Lord calls your name twice, it's probably not a good thing, right? Alan, Alan. He does that a lot. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled, stressed about so many things. But Martha, it's just one thing. And Mary sees it. Mary has chosen. Mary is spending time with me. I just think that when you are spending time with the Lord, there's a perspective, the right perspective. I think he helps with with focus. So number one, spending time with Jesus just brings life into focus. Number two, time with Jesus brings spiritual growth. Do you honestly expect to grow as a Christian? to grow as a Christ follower, to grow in your faith if you don't spend time with Jesus? How, how, do you, how do you expect to become stronger as a follower if you're not spending time with the shepherd? I mean, you, so last week I think we made the reference and if you haven't purchased it, it's a great, it's a great book just to have in your study. It's a classic book by Philip Keller, um, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's just a classic book. You ought to get it. You ought to order it. It's a great read. Every few years, I just pull it out and read as part of my devotion. It's just a great, great read. So here's what Philip Keller says in his book. He says that he would take his sheep as a shepherd. He would take his sheep out early in the morning out to the lush green pasture for them to feed. And he would take the sheep out early in the morning so they could feed in the pasture. He would take them early in the morning because there's dew on the grass, the still water. And so they could drink and eat. And he would just have them just eat. And they would eat for several hours. And then as it became pretty warm, he would guide them down into the shade and they would lay down. And for the rest of the day, they would just lay in the shade. And you know this about sheep, probably learned this in school. They have different compartments in their stomach. So all of that grass that they ate in the morning, they would, they would pull it up and they would chew the cud. They would spend the afternoon just chewing the cud. And so here's what's fascinating. In fact, he says this in his book, and I had to Google it to make sure it was true. A sheep, sheep that can feed early in the morning and then chew the cud in the afternoon, sheep can gain, watch this, 100 pounds in 100 days. That, that's, that's amazing. 
But here's what it also says. But if they have to just rummage and get a little food here and then go over there and get a little food over here and they just have to kind of rummage around all day to get enough to eat, they don't gain much weight at all. I think there's something about early in the morning going and having a time with the Lord and and allow him to speak into my life. So here's what it looks like for me. So every morning, by the way, for Alan, this is different than sermon preparation. So sermon preparation is very different than my personal time with the shepherd. So what I do in the morning is that before I even open my Bible, I say, Lord, I'm about to open your word, speak into my life. Speak into my life today. And I begin where I left off. If I was in John chapter 13 yesterday, today I'm in John chapter 14. And as I'm reading, and sometimes I'll read and I go back and read, and I'm looking for, for, for his spirit to speak to my, to my spirit. And I think it's so crucial that we do that in the morning. We're, uh, I, I think that you guys are doing this on, on Sunday mornings is that we're kind of studying uh, Moses and delivering the people of, 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 of people of God out of Egypt, taking them into the promised land. You remember when they're in the wilderness and they're hungry, God made provision. Remember the food that he provided for them? What was it called? Manna. By the way, in Hebrew, manna means what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. What is that? That, yeah, man, that's it, manna. And so here's what, here's what the Bible says. God, God told him, look, I'm going to provide the heavenly bread in the mornings, and you have to go get it in the morning because if you waited, it went bad. They had to get it in the morning. By, by the way, Jesus himself said that he was the bread of life. The Bible says that Jesus was the bread that came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, but he that eateth that bread shall live forever. So I think there's just something about spending time with the Lord in the morning, getting that manna for us to grow. So time with Jesus, it just helps, you know, just get life into, brings life into focus. It helps us to to grow spiritually. Time with Jesus brings refreshment to your soul. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse number 19. Repent, therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out. In other words, spend time with the Lord, examining your heart, making confession. Why? Verse number 20. The reason is, is that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So it helps me if I spend time with the shepherd. It helps me to grow in my faith. It helps put life in right perspective. And there's something refreshing about the presence of the Lord. Um, Isaiah, one more verse in this area. Isaiah chapter uh, 40. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. There's just something refreshing. God God just, he strengthens you as you get quiet before him. And then spending time with Jesus, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, I think that it brings joy to his heart. I think, I think that 
I think that it brings joy to his heart. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about that or, or not. Um, that Philip Keller, again, I, I love this, this quote in his book. He says, when I would look out at my sheep lying there in that knee-high grass, just resting, chewing the cud, contented, peaceful, there was, there was nothing that brought more joy to my heart as a shepherd than that. I just loved it. Surely the heart of God does the same thing when he sees his children seated at his feet, listening to his word, just soaking it in, just chewing the cud and spending time with him. It just rejoices his heart. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that your shepherd is longing. He he is looking, waiting for you to come and spend time with him. You may want to write this verse down, Isaiah, Isaiah 30, verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Look at that again. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to come to him. Watch this. Look up here. Not so he can point his finger, a finger of condemnation or a finger of judgment. Sometimes we think, you know, if I go to the Lord, I know the first thing he's going to do, he's he's going to get on to me. The scripture says that, that he's waiting for you to come so that he can show you his love, so that he can show you his compassion. The Lord longs for you to come to him and spend time with him. It's what he desires. It's what he, what he wishes. He wants that for you, the great God of this universe. Hey, let me show you this and we're done. Uh, let's, go back to, let's go back to Psalm uh, 23, verse two, first two verses. The Lord, is, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. If you haven't already, underline those two words, still waters. Let's, let's, leave this, let's leave this up there, Matt. Still waters. When I first started preaching and studying this passage, there's this idea, and you may have read this, there's this idea that sheep won't drink from like running water. It kind of, because they're so fidgety and they're scared uh, that if it's like a river or something like that, they won't drink from it. I, I think that's a certain amount of truth to that, but I also read enough about sheep and shepherds that the shepherds say that if they're thirsty enough, they'll drink from anything. So he leads me, the good shepherd, if you'll allow him, he'll, he'll, he leads me beside still waters, quiet waters. Here's what I want you to know. Just a couple of things, we're done. It's plural, waters, plural. We don't often say, we say, bring me a drink of, bring me a glass of water. Hey, you want to go jump in the water? So here's here's what the psalmist is saying, that if you'll allow the good shepherd to lead you, he will lead you to the pastures. He'll lead you to the quiet waters. He'll lead you to this place of rest again and again. And again, not just once. Um, 
the still waters, the quiet waters. Um, Philip Keller says that he, uh, he would take his sheep, they would feed in the morning, and then he would lead them down to this shaded area where there's this uh, quiet, still, clean, fresh water for them to, to drink and to chew their cud. He said every single time as he's taking them, um, he said there would always be a few sheep that would wander off and stop off at the mud puddle. This old muddy area that was nasty. Where, where other animals had been, it was polluted, it was nasty. And he always had a few sheep that would stop off there. And, 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 and he didn't say this, but this is what I thought to myself. That, that is so much like us. So many Christians today are stopping off and they're substituting the muddy, polluted waters of this world rather than allowing the good shepherd to lead them to the, to the quiet waters, to the clean waters, to the place of rest. So, so my word, this, this, is the, this is the word the Lord said to Alan that I'm passing along to you. Alan, why do you settle for the muddy, nasty, polluted waters that this world offers? Let me lead you. And you'll find nourishment and rest. Because he's the good shepherd. And he'll lead us. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's just... Can I just pray for you? And our worship team is going to come. And the invitation tonight is, is just, it's pretty simple. The invitation is, number one, is the Lord your shepherd? Can you say that? Can you say that? Can you make that confession with confidence? The Lord is my shepherd. Do you follow him? If you can't say that, and you would like to surrender your life, then I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you. I'd love to encourage you. It could be that you are a follower, and the Lord is your shepherd. But maybe you've substituted. Maybe you've, uh, you've settled for some muddy waters. And maybe life is a little bit overwhelming right now. It could be your marriage. It could be a son, a daughter. It could be your business. But you would just say, in fact, let me, let me just pray for you. I, I won't embarrass you in any way at all. That's not how we do things here. But it's just so I can pray for you. If you would say, Alan, what you've described tonight as far as stress, that's where I am right now. And would you just say, hey, Alan, would you pray for me tonight? Because I, I, I am stressed right now. Would you just slip your hand up a little bit? Just raise it up just enough where I could just see, just so I could pray for you. Hey, thank you for thank you for being honest. Thank you for being candid. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray for you. I'll pray for you and James is going to lead us in a song and, and your chair can become an altar and you can pray right there or you could come here and kneel. If I could pray for you, I'd love to pray for you. I'd be glad to do that. But in these next moments, let's just, let's just do business with the Lord. Let's just draw near to our shepherd.
So, Lord, thank you for being compassionate and merciful and loving. And you wait for us to come to you so that you can show your love and compassion. So we come before you now. And, Lord, there were several here tonight, several, who raised their head. And some, some I know very well, and some not so much. But, but Lord, you know everything about them. The numbers of hair on their head. You know, you know their name. You know their address. And you know what they're stressed about right now. And I want to pray, first of all, Lord, that, that I pray that tonight and maybe even before they go to sleep tonight, that you would just, in a very supernatural way, you would just speak into their life. And you would remind them that you are with them and that you are for them. And that you will lead them. If they'll follow, you'll lead them. And you'll lead them through the valley. And you'll lead them to a place of rest. Rest even for their souls. So, Lord, I pray for those here tonight who, who can't honestly make the confession that you are their Lord, their shepherd. And I pray they would do that tonight. So, Lord, in these next moments as we sing, as we pray, hear us, hear us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's just worship.